It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Welcome you once again to another Estate Planning Essentials program. I am the host, Donald B. Crawford Jr., the owner of KWAM Radio, and I'm sitting with my co-host, my attorney, my friend, who should also be your attorney, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Spring is in the air. Flowers are blooming, and the allergies are kicking in, and I'm sneezing like crazy, so it's wonderful. Yeah, it, it is wonderful. In fact, I tried to even go to the Arboretum, speaking about the flowers, and uh-huh. uh, when we contacted them, they were already sold out for this last weekend. So uh, it's amazing. A lot of people want to see those flowers. Uh, yes. Uh, so anyway. I, I've uh, run a few 5Ks over by the Arboretum, and it's a beautiful place for people to go. So they want to spend an afternoon on the weekend. They would really enjoy it. Michael, changes in the air, speaking of um, new president New Senate, uh, apparently, uh, new House, somewhat, and new players everywhere. And uh, President Biden is talking about making changes in capital gains, taxes, and how assets are taxed at death and things like that. So we have to be careful in terms of what the future holds because no one really knows. Um, But you have a good feel for things. And um, you wanted to talk about a day in the life of Michael Cohen because you have a client of yours in Dallas who has quite what was seemingly a very pretty simple situation became very complicated very quickly. Yeah, well, this one has nothing to do, but, but quite frankly, although I know, of course, the president's been uh, elected now for a couple months now, but or been a, been in power for a few months. But mm-hmm. the um, but this one, what I was going to talk about wasn't really the tax issues, although mm-hmm. uh, I do anticipate. Um, that there will be changes in the law, uh, yeah. uh, you know, because we do think that there will be a reduction of the estate tax limit. Yeah. And, uh, do think that there'll be a reduction on the gift tax limit. And yeah. That they'll probably have the higher corporate tax and some of the things that you're yep. making reference to. But yeah. I have a more of an ordinary person that is not wouldn't be affected by all the different tax laws. In fact, they have a very very small estate. Okay, uh, all they have is a home and a life insurance policy that's very small, less than $10,000. Wow. Okay, so you have a home, but you say, well, gee, do you need to have any estate planning when all you have is a home and a small life insurance policy? What could go wrong with just having something like that? Um, If you're married and you have children, What's the big deal? Mm-hmm. What what could go wrong? First of all, a few of the facts. The husband had one child from a prior marriage and 12 children with the surviving spouse. Okay. And they, oh, I guess they did have one other asset, some other asset. They had some property in Mexico. Okay. When you mm-hmm. have property in a different country. <laughs> okay. okay. 
so first of all, uh, to answer when you say you have property in a different country, every country has their own laws. Mm-hmm. And so you probably ought to have some estate planning documents in that country which you live, whether it's in Mexico or India or Canada or mm-hmm. whatever, wow. you, wherever it may be, mm-hmm. you need to look at the laws of that jurisdiction. So, like, for example, when we have trust here, mm-hmm. it's treated differently than, than in Canada. I'm not licensed right. in Canada. I'm just telling you from my experience that the laws are different in different places, and they have different types of taxes, et cetera, mm-hmm. on different types of uh, situations. So, mm-hmm. uh, in this case, uh, it, there should have been uh, a, a will in Mexico, for example. But he had no will at all. The husband mm-hmm. had no will at all. Well, so what happens with that house when you don't have a will and you have a child from a prior relationship? Well, first of all, when he died, uh, then although the surviving spouse has a right to live there for life, all of his children had an interest in the property. Now, they mm-hmm. luckily, they weren't planning on selling the property. And now, uh, you know, during mom's life. So that's the good news, and so she continued to live there. Now, a lot of times people call the appraisal district and say, hey, I'm the surviving spouse, and they may even have it changed on the tax records, but title companies don't look at it that way. They go by the law. And so uh, so even if the property tax statement says wife's property because she called in and said, hey, I'm the surviving spouse, mm-hmm. quite frankly, the uh, – the clerks uh, often make mistakes. And so anyway, um, so now under law, a portion of the property is owned by children and a portion is owned by the surviving spouse. Now, mom had a will. Now, remember, she said, and she wanted to treat his child equally. So, uh, so the first thing that they did was they had a will, but they named the 13 beneficiaries. Now, that's a problem in and of itself, by the way, because when you have a lot of beneficiaries and when you have a will, you have to give notice to all those beneficiaries of the will and Mm -hmm. an inventory. What does that do? That adds to legal fees. Mm -hmm. If you knew that that was the case, you probably should have had a trust. When you have a trust, you make your own rules. You don't have to go by the state's rules. State's rules say when you have a will... You have to give a copy of the will to all the beneficiaries. So now it adds to legal costs because now when you send out the uh, notice of the will and then when you do an inventory, an inventory is when you have to tell what the assets are. So now you have oh, – and some of those, some of those uh, kids, guess what? They passed before mom. Oh, oh mom wow. is, now mom's deceased. Mm-hmm. And now she has – and she forgot one of the kids. She had – she was like the old lady that lived in the shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do, and she forgot them. <laughs> Let me ask you before you go any further, if it is a trust and not a will, then you don't have to do it. You don't have to notify anybody. You don't have to make no. an inventory list, nothing? No. Wow, great. I mean, you, you'll give the, the person their share after mm-hmm. the assets or, or either distribute the share or you'll um, – uh, or e- either distribute the share or sell the asset and give them their share of the c- cash proceeds, but you don't. You get to make your own rules when you have a trust. 
So when mm-hmm. so once they it didn't used to be that you had to give notice to all the different beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. But then they made the rule. It used to be only like charities. And then they changed the law probably a dozen years ago, maybe 15. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell people I'm an elder, elder law attorney, so I've been doing it for a while. So, uh, you know, I remember when the law didn't used to be that way. But once they did that, uh, then that would be a perfect example of when you would have a trust normally. Normally, I would say, except for a couple other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, one of which is that mom was on Medicaid. Oh, oh okay. So now, if you put mm. a home in a trust, there's there, so there's an additional problem here. Oh boy. Uh, uh, when you're when you have a home in a trust for Medicaid, if you had put a home in a trust, it would count as an asset. Mm. Now, look. In, in this case, they didn't put a home in a trust. And by the way, you could have solved that problem by having. A ladybird deed. What's a ladybird deed? A ladybird deed protects the home from the claim of the state should somebody be on Medicaid. They go after things that go by will. What did she have? A will. So that means now, if we didn't act, that the state would be able to basically, I don't remember how long she was on Medicaid, but if the this home was, let's say the home was $100,000, if she had $100,000 or more of benefits that she got from the state, they basically could take the home. Wow. So uh, if you have it go by will, the state has a right to go after it. If you have it go by deed, where you have control of the asset during your lifetime, so a ladybird deed is a deed where it's what's called an enhanced life estate deed, where you have retained total control you could sell it, mortgage it, lease it. Um, you could change your mind on who your beneficiaries are. Uh, and upon death, it goes by deed to whoever the beneficiaries are. So it uh, stonewalls the government completely. There's nothing they can do. It won't go after it. Well, Texas is only one of a few states that allows it, so it depends on the state. Okay. The answer to your question, at the present time, it's an exemption. Yeah. So under the federal law, states had an option. They could go after things no matter how they went, uh, by will or by trust or whatever way. And so this would not work in the majority of states. In fact, okay. the vast majority of states. But if it, in Texas, we chose the option because we're a strong homestead state that we only have, want to go after things that go by will or intestacy. So it, what's intestacy? Intestacy means without a will. So if, she, if it had been the husband and he didn't have a will, uh, then the state would have been able to go out. If he was the one on Medicaid, the state would have also been able to go after the home as opposed to the 13 kids uh, who would have inherited this uh, home. Okay. So it's a lot of, lot. so there was a mistake. Not only did he not have a will uh, or didn't have anything, uh, he also ran the risk that the house would have been lost by uh, just some simple planning uh, and so I guess, which is going to be the, apparently the moral of the story here is that even somebody with limited resources, there are too many legal issues to, that could occur to have without having a little bit of state planning could do a lot of uh, prevention of possible problems as we're already starting to see. 
at the beginning of this uh, dilemma. <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, and as you said in many programs in the past, with all due respect to you, whom I, I treasure and respect so much, um, who wins in the end is the attorneys many, many times, and maybe that applies in this case too. Uh, luckily, there were some things that we did, but there's still a lot to be done, and there's going to be some roads to roads to hoe, as they say. So, um, we'll see yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, talk about those solutions in a second. But you know the phrase "crisis precedes transformation," and it seems like this smaller estate still is a crisis for the individual heirs um, when this gentleman passed away. And consequently, um, they had a mess on their hands, as, as, quote, small as the estate was. And that's where the services of a Michael Cohen kick in beautifully. And that's what you should consider as well, uh, his services. And the way to do that uh, in a step-by-step procedure is to attend his next workshop to hear and see for yourself uh, Michael Cohen in action, just not on the podcast or on the radio, et cetera, meaning KAAM. Um, his next workshop, which is a virtual workshop, which is via a Zoom conference call or video conference call, is next Tuesday, April the 6th at 1 o'clock. Again, Tuesday, April the 6th at 1 o'clock. And, Michael, you've been doing these workshops for years. Tell the audience all about them. Yeah, so really this is just a free estate planning essentials workshop. Some people could be asking about anything from estate planning, their own situation, it could be about Medicaid. It could be about veterans' benefits. It could be about uh, anything in connection with the state planning. Uh, we have no idea what people ask. Every workshop's different because everybody's questions are always different. So we just ask people what they want to know. This is free. There's no obligation. We're just, um, we may talk a little bit about generally about state planning, and then we kind of go through uh, whatever questions that people may ask. And we try to answer those questions. And even if they want to get more detailed or have more privacy for the people who attend the free two-hour estate planning essentials workshop, uh, they, we also give a free one-hour vision meeting. So that's three free hours of uh, legal advice without uh, any or education, without any obligation. So it's no, uh, no, nothing to worry about if you had. Let's say uh, a lot of times we'll say, oh, well, this is a different type of issue or this is what the story is or here's what your answer is. Right. And if that happens, then that's fine. You just got education without any obligation. So it's not, you know, we're, we continue to be friends, as they say, but, um, <laughs> you know, just, just you know, hopefully we can help you out. So to attend the free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214 214- 720-0102 or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. And you could um, uh, see and hear and uh, you'll enjoy to hear the questions of the other participants who, whatever their questions may be, and maybe think about things that you may not have thought about for your own individual situation. And again, it's without any uh, you're at the freedom of your own home to do whatever you want, and uh, so that's really pretty simple. And and you don't even have to show up, uh, meaning you don't have to face everyone literally. You can just listen via audio, too. Uh, you don't have to have the FaceTime. It's not required for Michael's virtual workshops, which is via Zoom. As we talked about, dial 214-720-0102 or go to Dallas Elder Lawyer. 
com. Michael, less than 10 minutes. Tell us about the solutions for this predicament. So the good news was that, first of all, the good news is that mom was still alive when the family came to me. Mm-hmm. Now, she was on Medicaid. Now, dad had done nothing, uh, as we said, so we had to do, we wanted to do an, what's called an affidavit of airship, an affidavit mm-hmm. of airship, mm-hmm. which means that things could go to, which shows, or a title company, it shows who the heirs are without having going having to go through a lengthy process of an airship determination. Okay. Uh, airship which, as an H-E-I-R, air, not A-I-R, but airship yeah, as an uh-huh. air parent. Okay, yeah. very good. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a really lengthy procedure, and it would have mm-hmm. been uh, very cost-inefficient if you had to go through, have a court, yeah. uh, get involved, and have another attorney to determine the unknown heirs, because the court would appoint somebody. It'll take months. We're doing one right now that I think we're on uh, month number seven, uh, and, we're, and things have still not gotten resolved because you have to go through the, the ad litem. It takes a while for the court to appoint ad litem, and then after they do, they have to do their investigation. They have to do a report. Then you have to have witnesses. It, it, it's, uh, you, know, you have to have it's, – it, it's so many different things that you have to do. Uh, when you don't plan at all and don't have your own estate planning documents like a simple will. So in this case, though, a title company will allow when it's dealing with real estate, they generally will allow if you have an affidavit signed by one of the uh, heirs and then two disinterested witnesses, you say if there's no debts owed by the estate, uh, and then uh, you give a legal description of the property, kind of show all the relationships, show all the family history, and then you file the affidavit and the deed records of the county where the property is located, then it can go to whoever the heirs might be. And they usually will recognize it, although they sometimes make you wait for a year or two because they're concerned about creditors coming out of the woodworks, mm. and so that may delay any kind of sale of the property. Well. So, But we, in this case, there had been nothing done like that, but now mom is on hospice and could die. And we have to get the affidavit done, but usually the affidavit, technically the heirs became heirs at the moment of death. But we had to get a ladybird deed done immediately. Why? Because she could die. You could do a ladybird. Normally for Medicaid, there's a five-year look-back period on transfers, but because the person has total control on a ladybird deed, an enhanced life estate deed, it's not a subject to a transfer penalty. Now, remember, why were we going to do a ladybird deed? because it's an exception under state law from Medicaid estate recovery where the government could take the home or go at least make a claim against the home to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. Now, mom now lacks capacity. How are we going to do the Lady Bird deed if she lacks capacity? Luckily, we have a power of attorney. Now, for a power of attorney to be able to do the Lady Bird deed, you got to record the financial power of attorney, and it has to be done as well as the Lady Bird deed prior to the death of mom. So we immediately recorded the financial power of attorney and did a ladybird deed even before the affidavit of heirship had been fully signed. Normally we like to do it the other way around, so it mm-hmm. shows that chain of title. But if we didn't act immediately, then if we didn't act immediately, then um, the state would be able to make a claim against the most valuable asset, the homestead. So when the state does, we'll send a letter it says, hey, we intend to make a claim, then we will show them the ladybird deed and have a letter of withdrawal uh, from the state. 
Okay, smart. Yeah, so that's going to be okay. But mm-hmm. then what happens if there was, there was one other thing? There was a small life insurance policy mom had, and mom's life insurance policy did not have a beneficiary. Or if it was, or if it had a beneficiary, and if that <laughs> beneficiary had died, Michael. Oh, okay, they died. All right, maybe that was the case. Why have it then? I don't understand. But I well, a lot of times people assume they don't have contingent beneficiaries. So you you name somebody as a beneficiary. Yeah. You know, a lot of times people don't forget. You know, estate planning is not just about wills or trust or powers mm-hmm. of attorney, things like that, uh, or even the Lady Bird deed that we've talked about today. But it's about beneficiary designation. Yeah. Right. We, we've had it. I could tell you another story about, you know, on retirement accounts. Do they go? What if you don't have a beneficiary of that? Uh, we had one recently where there was, you know, children from a different marriage and there was no beneficiary designation. Luckily, we represented the wife and we said, well, under Texas law, uh, that the spouse should be it named as, as a matter of law unless she, that spouse uh, gave consent otherwise. So, you know, we're lucky that the retirement account went to the spouse. Uh, that was so that was the client. Uh, but if you don't, some places want make you want to go through probate if there's no beneficiary, of course. And that's what happened in this case. And but it was just a small policy. It's less than ten thousand dollars. But since there was no beneficiary designation, we're going to have to go through probate. Oh, that means we're going to have to prove the will is good. The court, the insurance no company, wants authority to be able to transfer that to the uh, that part of the whoever the heirs are, uh, the beneficiaries of the will, uh, to the executor of the estate. But mm-hmm. oh yes, there was one more problem with the will: the notary failed to put in the names of the witnesses. So now that means that we have to locate the witnesses to testify at probate on an on an estate. It's less than ten thousand mm. dollars. In addition to that, if remember, if she's on Medicaid, <laughs> she's on Medicaid. there better not be any more than this. That's all I got to say. There is more. more. There, are. there is more. <laughs> but, there's, but wait, but wait. There's one more problem. Oh. I told you that if it, things go by will at death, that the state has a right to make a claim against the estate to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. Well, this life insurance policy is now going to have to go by the will, so how am I going to get around that part because they didn't have a beneficiary designation? If there had been a beneficiary designation, Texas only goes after things, as has said before, if it goes by will or intestacy. Well, in this Mm -hmm. case, because there was no beneficiary, if there had been a beneficiary designation of life insurance policy, it would have been a problem, but there wasn't. So now we have a, a small life insurance policy that we have to probate for to get the proceeds of the policy, and now we also have to deal with the state. Now, you're uh, not going to make us wait to attend the next workshop to give us the answers, are you? No, I'll give you an answer right okay, now. Okay, you got two minutes. <laughs> I'll give you two minutes, then I'll, okay. I'll give you an answer on how you get around okay. that. So on Medicaid, there are certain exceptions. It's not just the Lady Bird deed, but there are other exceptions to, bear, to the rules. In this case, you know, the I told you the life insurance policy was worth less than $10,000. So if you're the state, do you want to pay attorneys to go after some asset that's worth less than $10,000? Mm-hmm. So there's a rule. Basically, it's uneconomical for the state to proceed if the asset is worth less than $10,000, and that's a rule. So we would show to the state 
once they have the letter, we show the deed, showing the labor deed, first of all, and so that avoids the Medicaid estate recovery on the home. And then we have to show the, uh, the, the, the insurance policy is worth less than $10,000, and therefore it's uneconomical for the state to pursue it. So now we're saying, okay, so what happened on this little bitty case with a home that's probably worth less than $100,000 and a small life insurance policy, and there's property in Mexico, what were the mistakes? A, they didn't have a will in Mexico. B, it went to errors that they may not have wanted to go up. Originally, you go going by the state's law as opposed to your own law. They husband probably would have wanted just all to go to the spouse to begin with. C, the wife had a will, but it was done. It shouldn't have been a will to begin with. It should have been a trust because there are so many beneficiaries. And if you had a ladybird deed, you wouldn't have had to give notice to everything. So you could have had a ladybird deed into a trust that would have avoided all that. See, now, though, just because why do I say a trust? Because we had, uh, there was originally 13 or 14 beneficiaries, 13 beneficiaries, but two of them have died having six children of their own, which means that we have to give notice to 20 different people on both the, on both the, the uh, will and then the inventory later on. Hmm. Then there was the mistake that they didn't think about Medicaid, so they had to do a Lady Bird deed. Luckily, they had a power of attorney. That's another, luckily, that that was something that should have been done and was done right before she died. And the thing that had to be also be done is recording the financial power of attorney under Texas law. If there's not, the power of attorney is not recorded, so that had to be done in a hurry because the power of attorney also terminates on death. Okay. The next thing, of course, we talked about was the problems of, uh, the Medicaid and Medicaid estate recovery, which we got around with the on the uh, homestead with the Lady Bird deed and on the life insurance policy with the, the estate being less than uh, $10,000. And so on a little bitty estate, there could be a lot of mistakes. And here they're giving us a law school exam <laughs> full of all the different things that could go wrong. And then you have to think about, so once it does, once you see all these things that go wrong, you have to try to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear and try to save everything. And I think we will be able to do that in this case. It just takes a little work. Excellent presentation and explanation and education, all of them. If it were me, and it has been, but if I were a listener right now, I would say to myself, Michael's got this. I need him by my side emotionally, psychologically, physically, strategically at all times, no matter how big or small my state is, because I don't want to assume anything. And Michael, the brilliant scientist that he is, can put this together and uh, figure this out and extricate you from any situation you may be in and not realize it. The first step to that end is to attend his next workshop, which is Tuesday, April the 6th at 1 o'clock. Just simply sign up for the free virtual Zoom workshop by dialing 214-720-0102. 214-720-0102 or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for Michael Cohen, C-O-H-E-N's next workshop. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen and our partner. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Don.
leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 